0: Phil, that was uh Dina Miriam, uh who's um uh, it's very inspiring the work she's doing. Uh again, a case of somebody with uh deep spiritual convictions, uh a practitioner, uh follower, as she said, of uh Paramahansa Yogananda, and uh taking that spirituality and that inner development and uh working in the world to uh create a better world. So uh, you know, very inspiring. Yeah.
1: Uh, always inspired me i always uh, um, have been impressed with her work and um hope that others are as well she's a good uh, role model for the balance of the inner and
0: inner inner
1: development and good citizenship and responsibility, responsible action in the world
0: yeah i mean one of the things she brought out that you know uh, is uh an issue that should really be pushed and pursued, and that is that a lot of major religions, let's look at Catholicism, uh, uh, have sexist uh, policies uh, I- institutionalized. You know, we have very, as I said, we have a very progressive Pope, a Pope Francis. But you know, you can't be a cardinal, you can't be a bishop, you can't really, you can't be the pope, you can't have a leadership position in the Catholic Church, uh, w- w- if you're a woman. And uh, I think the parishioners, the people in those religions. Should absolutely not tolerate it. They it should be thought of in the same way as if uh, a major religion had a policy where you know people of color could participate but cannot take positions of leadership. It's just wrong, and and I don't buy into uh, you know uh, well this is what what has been going on for thousands of years. I mean slavery went on for thousands of years, so it's uh, you know that that's not a um, a a legitimate reason for having those policies, I think.
1: Well, um, I will vote for you if you're up for running for the next pope.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that... You know, actually, I remember back in uh, days when I was taking what was called catechism, Catholic training or indoctrination or whatever you want to call it, and, uh, and it was some very interesting stuff, and I remember once a priest saying the only criteria for being a pope was that you were a man and that you were alive. There wasn't even a ruling that you had to be a <laughs> Catholic, but it was that, a man, a man, not a woman. So so that that's very deep in their thinking and their beliefs. And I don't know where that came from, because I don't remember ever reading anything in the New Testament about that.
1: Well, but, you know, attitudes toward women that we have now are relatively modern uh, sort of if evolutionary development people always in, in in history um men always felt uh women shouldn't be in positions of leadership and we we know the whole history right so some some institutions evolve more slowly than others i guess and and i guess they justify it uh with theological arguments Mm-hmm. Or historical arguments, you know. I always hear, you know, well, Jesus didn't, you know, the 12, 12 uh, apostles were men, so therefore, yeah, <laughs> right, can't have women. And I, it's it's a shame because I I've I've met so many uh, deeply committed Catholic women, including nuns, who just feel uh, they would they would do a wonderful job, and they would at great fulfillment if they could um, perform Mass mm-hmm. and do some of the other uh, yeah. functions that priests do.
0: Yeah, and a lot they'd of the Protestant be, religions. Uh, right?
1: They'd certainly be great you know, pastoral right counselors right. in ways that men may not uh, always be capable right.
0: of. And in conservative and orthodox Judaism, uh, I believe it's the same way that a uh, Reformed Judaism you could have a woman rabbi but I believe the conservative yeah. orthodox would not allow well, it
1: Well there may be in among the conservative Jews uh female rabbis but I you know I don't know how that works it's not quite as right. it's not as hierarchical as the Catholic
0: Church The Catholic so. Church has really very rigid strict uh, you know written uh rules it's you know there's no there's no wiggle room there really But getting back to Dina's work I mean I th- I think it's uh, fabulous what she's doing and you know, a spiritual practitioner who is uh, committed to changing the world, uplifting people. Uh, you know, and especially her work in uh, in the uh, in uh, the environmental issues that are becoming, you know, real issues today. I mean, Mother Earth, uh, you could argue, is being uh, destroyed, and uh, only uh, human beings can turn that around, and only human beings caused it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it becomes a, an issue that uh, religious leaders, spiritual leaders, need to deal with, and. Perhaps more effectively than our politicians or other folks. well, they seem, they so certainly
1: far. seem to be. In fact, you know, I think there's probably more agreement or more common ground in uh, spiritual and religious circles around the the sacredness of earth and the need to protect it than there is in uh, most social issues and uh... certainly religious issues i mean even uh... the the what we think of as the conservative evangelical christians uh... there's a whole development there especially among younger evangelicals uh... who um... are very environmental environmentally conscious
0: mm-hmm. in
1: ways that uh, previous generations weren't so right it's one yeah. of the ways it's one of the uh... Uh, issues around which uh, people are more likely to come together uh, across the uh, boundaries of traditions.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, she mentioned uh, her interactions with uh, Native American spiritual leaders. And, and I think one area of leadership, one area where they are proving to have been very advanced in terms of their thinking is the, the relationship between human beings and the earth and the sacredness sure. of the earth and uh the responsibility toward the earth and thinking many generations ahead which is something that uh you know our our culture uh western civilization hasn't really given much thought to over the last many centuries and now uh maybe paying a, a very high price for that and yet uh, yeah. and still folks uh within our culture fighting that so
1: yeah and you know one can see doing work on behalf of the environment as um, a spiritual act as a, a, uh, a, a sign of one's spiritual commitment to making life on the planet better and and uh, a form of perhaps karma yoga mm-hmm. to engage in service and and be protected. There's something about even something as minor as recycling, or you know, being conscious of not wasting water, that connects you in a certain way to the earth and the natural environment. And you know, and, and if you look at that a certain way, it's it's a spiritual act.
0: Right. No, unquestionably uh, I, I really that. Uh, that I i mean, I have uh, a friend who's a strong environmentalist, and his that his. And he and he spends a good part of the year living in the rainforest in Costa Rica, and he said that that's his church, that his 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 spiritual environment that he goes to to advance yeah. himself spiritually, and that uh that that it, that it's very easy to forget that and feel very disconnected from that in the type yeah. of world we live in with electricity and you know everything else that we have that uh takes us away from noticing and and feeling uh, our natural environment. So uh, a lot to be learned there, and I think that she's uh, uh, pointing out some very important stuff, doing some very good work.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, one of the reasons I, I thought it would be good to have her on is she's a very good example of somebody who um, appreciates the importance of the inner dimension of spiritual development uh, as uh, part of... Uh, uh, Complementary and harmonious part with social action. Right. Uh, there's often a disconnect between the you know inner work and the uh, social engagement. And there's mm-hmm. people like Dina who recognize the uh, importance of uh, both of them, both those dimensions um, complementing one another.
0: Right. She, she mentioned that she's a disciple of Paramahansa, Yogananda, and you're writing his biography. Uh, did did uh, Yogananda speak much about social responsibility and responsibilities yeah. in terms of... No,
1: he did. He did. He was, you know, look, he's, he was a, a great example himself. You know, he, he always wanted to, on a personal level, uh, retire, essentially, and go, you know, as a little kid, he was running off the Himalayas, and his family was uh, following after him and dragging him back. So he always had this pull to the renunciation and, and uh, uh, you know, the contemplative life in a cave. But he was called by his own destiny, his own dharma, to be uh, active and involved in the world. And he, I think, uh, like his guru did for him, uh did uh, to encourage other people to do you know live responsible mm-hmm. lives, but you know the first step was to meditate and open one's awareness to the true nature of the self and all those things that gurus always taught. But then to come out and behave in a socially responsible
0: way. Mm-hmm. And to get people to behave in a socially responsible way, the uh, one of the best ways to do that, or the most fundamental way to do that, is have them evolve spiritually. And then, if they evolve spiritually, they uh, will no longer uh, be deaf to those uh, uh, to the advice of those who know, uh, you know, that, that are in tune with nature and what. What we need to do to uh, stay that way, anyway. Yeah, just
1: uh, improve the odds.
0: Yes, yes. All right, well, tell me. All next right, time. Dennis, over okay.